Welcome to our podcast. You're listening to Pastor Jamie Patton at the Sanctuary Church in London, Ontario, Canada. So knowing, understanding today's Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday, this whole season, I love this season more than I love Christmas. Uh, 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 I love Christmas because Christmas, Christmas is family. I mean, when I look at Christmas, I'm like, yeah, we're going to get together with family and we get to go here and see, you know, all the nieces and nephews and all our family in one place at one time, just with really one focus, and that's just being together and enjoying it. But Easter, Easter has a different, I'm given a different outlook for Easter, and that's, that's more the outward. You know, I just see the possibilities for, for the world and what we're able to accomplish in Christ in this world. And like Pastor Heather said, this is, this is one of the easiest weekends to get people to church. It's one of the easiest weekends because you get to bring, just say, hey, you know what? It's Easter. Come on. I don't care if you promote the brunch. I don't care what you do. Uh, it, they get here. I'll do your dirty work for you. Amen. I'll do the dirty. I'll tell them about Jesus. If you don't know uh, and, you, and you haven't worked up the courage, it's all right. You know, I'll do it for you this weekend and this weekend only. Uh, but one thing that we are going to do is, is I'm, I'm just going to make this official, and we're making Saturday an, a full-blown outreach. We're going to go down to this Easter egg hunt, and we're just going to bless this community. Yeah. Amen? So what time does it start? 10.30. So if you, if you are coming to this outreach... Uh, then, then meet me here at the church. Uh, I hope I'm doing this right, but I don't. I think I'm going to mess something up here. But meet me at the church here at nine o'clock, and we're just going to teach for an hour on evangelism. We're going to pray for 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 thirty minutes, then we're going to go down uh, to that outreach. Amen. Don't get all like don't get all quiet on me now. It was like, Amen. you mean I got to talk to people? This is where the rubber hits the road. Okay. And, and if you want to hide behind the shadow of somebody who's louder than you, then do it. Just, just, just get involved. Just be down there. You can pray. You can, you can intercede. You can ask the Lord to, to lead you. Ask the Lord to help the one that you're with to be able to minister to somebody. That's fine with me. Just get involved. Andrew was an evangelist, and Andrew didn't say a word. I'm talking about the disciple. He's the one who brought Peter to Jesus, you know. He brought Peter to Jesus. Anyways, today is Palm Sunday. But I'm gonna I'm gonna put a little bit of a different swing on Palm Sunday. All right, can I do that? This isn't gonna be this isn't gonna be something outlandish. It's not gonna be anything else. I've titled this sermon today, "To Love a Brother." All right, to love a brother, to love a brother. Say to love a brother. To love a brother. This means here. I want to talk to us. I want to talk to us this morning about our love in this house. All right, and one thing that we've heard, and I've said it before, uh, one thing that we've heard a lot about this house, and, and, and I don't want to hang our hat on it because it can go to the places where it gets unhealthy, but this, when I walked into this place, I felt the love. I just felt love. I felt a peace, and, and I just felt something like I've never felt before in here. There's something to say uh, about pure and genuine love, how it is so inviting, you know, just how it is so inviting. And when I look at Palm Sunday and what Palm Sunday is, is, is Jesus' triumphal entry. It's when Jesus came back into Jerusalem and the, and, and the people lined the streets and threw their clothing on the ground. And it's when Jesus came in riding on the colt and they broke off branches from the trees and laid it on the ground. And, and this, was, this was all about Jesus coming back in and to what we know as Passion Week, to what the church has dubbed Passion Week. This this week uh, in in history, I had more uh, incredible teaching uh, than the entirety of the Bible. 
Because what you had this week is you had the Last Supper with the disciples. You had Jesus getting out of him every last thing that he wanted to, uh, to impart into this world. So what you see is you see a man who has come to the understanding that this is it. I remember, I remember the Sunday or the Saturday that, that I thought and I figured, and I'm glad that I did, was the last time that I would have a conversation with my dad, which it exactly was. And I remember going into his room at the cottage, and I remember telling him everything that I wanted to tell him. And that was on the Saturday, and that's, that's the Saturday he gave his life to Jesus, amen? And, but I remember going back to his place, uh, on the Monday, and he was, he was incoherent. He was just, everything that he was talking about was just, it didn't make sense. And I realized at that point that, that I would never have a normal conversation with my dad again. And then he, lost, he, he went home to be with the Lord on that Thursday. But here you have Jesus with an understanding that this is it. This, I'm, I'm going into Jerusalem, and I'm not going to leave. They're, they're going to they're gonna take this body as they know it uh, and put it into a tomb. And when I come back, it's not going to be about the things that I need to impart. It's going to be about the things that I need to do through my disciples. So what Jesus did is Jesus took that this week and he just, he just threw everything at them that he wanted to, that he wanted to leave with them. Amen? Amen. But what I see in, the, in this Palm Sunday and what I see as an understanding, and, and if I'm thinking, if I'm in the place where I'm realizing that I'm, I'm leaving this earth, that I don't have much longer, I want to institute one of my most important commandments into somebody's life, and that was to love one another. And if you want to do any good reading this week, if you want to look at something incredible this week, read from John chapter 13 to John chapter 16. And if you want to, you can slip over into John chapter 17, which is Jesus' uh, heartfelt prayer to his father before he went uh, into, in, into captivity until he, until he was captured. Uh, just an incredible time. It's the, it's, the fully, it's the fullness of the Last Supper and what he sowed into. And the red letter that's in those chapters is just amazing. There's barely any black. There's barely any black writing. It's just all red. It's just all Jesus sowing truth into him. But one thing Jesus does in this week is he begins to show the importance of their love for one another. He does. He really does. And, and what we need to learn and what has happened in the church is that our love for one another has weaned or waned. What is it? Is it weaned or waned? It doesn't matter. It's just, it's just grown cold. You know, it, weaned is when... You wean, and waned is when it goes. We got a teacher in the house. Help me out, Miss Hassel. Waned? All right, it's waned. The, 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 our love for one another is waned. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the sanctuary. I want to get our focus off the sanctuary onto the bride, onto the church universal. Uh, and, and I mean, churches have split for silly reasons, and people have gone this way, and people have gone that way because of offenses. But if we knew the true heart of somebody, how many of those offenses are foolish? You know, how many of those offenses are foolish? And I remember uh, one time I had a friend tell me, you know, it, it, I get offended real easy, and I told him, well, you are hanging around the wrong guy. You know, I, I just, I, I don't mean to be, but there's times when I, when I say things to people that I mean but I have to apologize because of the way that it was talked. I had to apologize to my wife this week because I said something that I didn't mean, but the way it was received was all wrong. And it was the wrong day to say it to. <laughs> Husbands, can I get a witness? You know, and I just, I found myself apologizing, not because, not because 
of what I said, but because of how it was received. All right? I want to get on to a sermon this morning, so let's do that. Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. So let me, let me, just, let me, just, let me just paint a picture for you. This is, this is uh, Jesus and the disciples in the upper room. They're sharing in their last meal together. You know, Jesus in his, in his heart of hearts, he, he said to them, I have long desired or looked forward to this time that I have with you. You know, here he is. He's, Jesus is about to give up his life. Jesus is about to go through one of the most excruciating punishments that any human being would ever have to endure. And all he's looking forward to is this meal. He's not put off by what's about to happen. He just knows that I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to every moment that I have. I'm going to make sure that I do this right. I'm going to make sure that what I do now will leave a lasting impression on these men. And he looks at them in, the, in this. And I'm, I got two versions here. First one is new, uh, the New King James Version. It's out of John chapter 15 and verse 13. It says, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. The Amplified Version puts it like this. No one has greater love, no one has stronger affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this. And Jesus isn't saying this to the general public. He's not saying this to the multitude. He's realistically saying it to the church. He's looking at these men who will become the fathers of the church going forward. They will become the apostles. They will be the ones who grow it. They will be the ones who ultimately in, 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 uh, in 40 days from that point will pour out his spirit upon. And they will be ignited and push forward and will grow the church. So he's laying this at the foundation of what he knows to be the church. And one thing that we have taught and one thing that we've imparted as pastors into this house is a greater love for each other. Loving through the hard times. Not, 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 some, uh, not uh, giving up your convictions to allow somebody else to live in, in, in their sin, but to stand strong in the convictions of our hearts so that they would grow to a place that they would understand that, you know what, they're not condemning me. They're actually designed to help me and show me the way that Jesus wants me to live so that I can reach out and grab hold of what Jesus wants me to do. And, and we've done it wrong in the past. We are not perfect people. But we know, we, we know that in standing in this love, in the love that Christ has imparted into our lives and into the foundation of the church, that many will come to know him. And we will see that great example in just a little bit. He says, greater love has no one than this, than one that is willing to lay down his life for his friends. Now, I look around this room, and I could honestly say, whether you're in here for a first time or been in here for six, seven years, that there's, I would generally say, you know what? If somebody asked me if I would give up my life for you, I would want to say yes. But when pushed to it, would I? And I still want to say yes. I believe that the Lord has worked in my heart. And I believe the Lord has done things that if given to my own and left to my own devices, I would have never got to this place. But we have gone through things with people where we should be flat out offended and angry and 
cut out forever, where we just continue to love on, continue to pray for, continue to, to reach out when that time comes. And that's how I know. That's, that's, the greatest, uh, that's the greatest example in my life to myself that I know God is still doing something in me. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, turn, it's, it's all the way, go to Revelation and take a left turn up uh, uh, two books. Go all the way to the back and turn left. 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. I'm just going to begin to read again. I have two, two versions of this. They just, they just speak louder than words. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. The Amplified Version puts it like this. By this we come to know, progressively to recognize, to perceive, to understand the essential love that he laid down his own life for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for those who are our brothers in him. That we in this, this not left for question, it's, there's no consideration about it. That because he became our example, he said and he stated it in the upper room that greater love has no one than this. I can't show you. Not only did my father love you so much that he sent me, I love you so much that I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to show you the greatest example of love that I'm, I'm taking on myself what you should be getting. I'm taking your punishment and I want you to know that I don't get any great reward for this except you knowing how much I love you. Yeah, I'll be exalted in the heavens. But what I look forward to with a fur, it wasn't, I don't, I, he never brought him into the room and said, you know what, guys, it's getting to the end of my life. I'll look forward to being back into heaven with my father. It wasn't anything like that. It was all about his time that he had to spend with those that he loved. We see a great picture in the upper room where it says that John was resting upon his bosom. That Jesus was there in the upper room and they were just relaxing after dinner. And John was there resting upon Jesus. He was just there cuddled up next to his Savior. And we say that he's a harsh God and he's a yes-no God and you can do this and you can't do that. That's not, that's not the deal at all. His desire, is to, his desire is for us to serve him because we love him. And his desire is for us to serve one another because we love one another. The world has influenced the church instead of the church being influenced, uh, influencing the world. The world's, love has, or the, the world's love has crept into the church. This is what love is not. It's not a shallow emotion that is turned on and off depending on your mood. And I'm not equating this to husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend. This is, I'm equating this to our love for Christ and our love for one another relationally. That our love is not a shallow emotion that is turned on or off depending on your mood. It's not selfish or controlling. It is not looking for faults. And love is not an idle word. What love is, is this. It's an attribute. Say attribute. attribute. It's a characteristic or a style of life that will push or drive you into action. I always say that love is an action word. 
If you love somebody, show them. Don't just tell them because, you know, they've been told before that somebody loves them and they might have walked out on their lives. Well, that gives them a perverted view of what love really is. I mean, Jesus didn't just tell his disciples that he loved them. He just didn't tell the world that he loved them. He went and put to action his love. He showed them what his love is. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an attribute, a characteristic, and a style of life that will drive you into action. It will cause you to see the good in somebody. It will cause you to see the good in somebody. It will cause you to prefer others, all others. I love this. I love, I love teaching on preferring one another. Now, there are times when I fall out of that place and I don't prefer somebody above myself, but trust me, the Lord battles it out with my heart. It's my desire to push you and advance you and to have you and to see you receive the blessing, to see you to receive the things that God wants to do in your life. And there's times that I have to battle myself and say, listen, this is your desire. This is what he wants from you is that you could teach and you could grow. I, I said before, I said, we need to be strong enough to make them greater than we are, but determined enough to never let that happen. That we as fathers in the faith and mothers in the faith stay out front of our spiritual sons and daughters so that we continue to teach them all along their journey. Not that we do it out of jealousy and not that we try to push them back because we are, we are so uh, upset that they might get further than we are. That should be our desire. Our love for, for those coming behind us should be, should be so much so that we want to see them advance. Amen? Preferring one another. Giving somebody something when you want it yourself. It will cause you to run through walls for the sake of another. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read at weddings all the time because it is, it is the perfect placement for this chapter. But it wasn't just written for the wedding vow and it wasn't just written, written for that sermon. It was written for all relationships. You know what I'm talking about? Love is patient, love is kind. I want you to read that week, this week, and I want you to ask the Lord to impart it into your heart so that at every moment when you are going to love on somebody or you're going to hate on somebody, that God would bring this, these, this chapter to remembrance. That what is my ultimate desire? Is my ultimate desire to bring somebody to Jesus? Because if I'm going to do what I want to do in my heart, I'm human too. There are days that I want to drive somebody through a wall. Come on, somebody. I can't believe I'm in here under this pastor right now. We don't want to have to go to your closet. I was in a situation yesterday where I was angry. How mad was I? I was pretty mad. Yeah. Heather says, thank, thank the Lord we had a 15-minute ride. Got to the place, and this the love of God filled my heart. You know, because my greater desire was to push somebody to Jesus, not away. You know, especially as a pastor, you're a figure in people's lives, whether you're in church or not in church. How many times have I heard in my life, oh, and you're a pastor? <laughs> I am, and it's in those times, sometimes it's a reality check. Slow down, cowboy. You're going to either push somebody to Jesus or away. 
Let the love of God fill your heart. Let them see Jesus. That's the one thing that we have to understand is that we're presenting Jesus to the world. We represent Jesus. We re-present him to the world. That our actions, our actions carry weight. Listen, I want to just speak. Uh, men, cover your ears. Ladies, listen to me. I want you to read Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Men, you can write this down too because this is your example. Young men, listen to me. And young ladies, listen to me. If you're in a relationship right now, ladies, and this man isn't treating you as Christ would treat the church, walk away. What I see in the word is this, and men, listen up. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. You know, we're brought into this relationship. We're not just examples to our friends and to our coworkers. We're examples in our own home. We, we, we are called to treat our wives as, it, as we would want our daughters to be treated. And I want to make sure that my children know that this, this, this woman, my wife, means the world to me. And I will treat her as such. Now, we don't have a relationship that's for everybody, right? We have a relationship that might differ from somebody that might be hard for you to understand, but we understand it. And we both flow in it, and it's a beautiful thing. But I want my children to know, and I want the world to know, that this is my wife, that I cover her as Christ covered the church and gave himself over for her. Amen? Amen. That's, that's genuine love. Our, our, our example will speak volumes to everybody. Do we know what love is? Do we know what love is? Laying down your life, praying, seeing the good for somebody. We're brought into examples uh, uh, countless times uh, each and every day where we have an opportunity to show Christ's love to this world, to our friends, to our coworkers, you know, to our bosses. We have an opportunity every single day to be an example of what he did on the cross of Calvary. Our love will speak volumes. Our love for one another in this house will speak volumes to the world. First John chapter 4 and verse 11 says this, Beloved, if God, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. First John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21 says this, it says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12 said this, And because, of lawless, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness is this, to live contrary or without regard for the law. To live contrary or without regard for the law, Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 33. If you go ahead and turn there, I'm going to give you a moment. Jeremiah chapter, grab a highlighter or a pen and I want you to underline this verse. We talked last week quickly about the law. You know, and, and, and we have to understand one thing. We have to separate the law from the Old Testament. We need to understand what he was saying to us in the fullness of his word. All right? In, in Jeremiah chapter 31, 
in verse 33, it says this, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, speaking of, of when Jesus comes, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Lawlessness is this. It's living contrary without regard for the law. When Jesus laid down that commandment before his disciples that they ought to love one another, he wasn't joking around. He, he didn't ask them, hey, listen, I want you to seriously consider loving one another, even though somebody might be unlovable. You see, when Jesus came and he died, he didn't just die for a select people. It wasn't an, an, an exclusive gospel. It was an inclusive gospel that included the whole world. And when we and when we look at it this way, we understand that for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And when we look out amongst the people and we say, oh, so-and-so is this and so-and-so is that, we're doing an incredible injustice to his sacrifice. Even in this house, I mean, so many different attitudes, so many different personalities, so many different ways of life, so many different outlooks. It's just, it's just, we are just a melting pot for amazing. That God can move through each and every one of our lives in the way that he does, yet we can still come together and worship him as one. I just, I find that incredible. And I find it incredible that, that not just one, not just two, but a multitude of people can come sit in this house and say, I just felt it different in here. It's just I felt a peace and a love like I've never felt before. And that makes me, that causes me to look to the heavens and thank the Lord that he's working in each and every one of our hearts. There's so many different backgrounds and so many different, so many different strongholds and so many different things that have been overcome in this house, yet we've overcome by God's love and not just the love that was poured out from heaven, but the love that was in here. The, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. That means there's a love that's so pure that no matter who you are, what you've done, you could come into this house and feel it and everything that, you've been, that has been done up in your life can fall off in a moment. That is the pure love of God flowing in a house and flowing in amongst the people. But it says, uh, Jesus gives a warning that because of lawlessness, because people, don't, people, will want, people will want to operate in the flesh and people will want to do things and say things. You know, the Bible is clear about things that we're to do and not do. It says, don't gossip, don't talk, don't backbite, don't, don't, don't have a, a malicious attitude, don't, don't think malicious thoughts, think only good things, think and pray for those who persecute you. Don't allow your mind to settle there and don't allow your heart to live there, but live in a place where you can bless at all times times but because we don't listen to that anymore we sit in the church and we think oh yeah so-and-so said this to me you know and I just you know I want to pray for them Jesus, but I can't right now it Bible didn't say do pray for them when you can it says pray for them always pray for those who persecute you not after they're done and not after they apologize but while they're doing it and it will change your heart and ultimately it will change theirs that our love for others will cause them to see Christ and desire for them to be changed and desire for themselves to be changed. What's different about you? I don't understand this. All I do is throw accusations and they don't say this to you because they wouldn't want to. But I, I just 
all I do is hate on you and I just, I, just, I just bother you and I'm a bully to you and you do nothing but love me. You know, it takes a bigger man to love somebody who hates them than to just haul off and put them in his place. When those who, when those who persecute you want to do nothing but persecute you and all you do is sow love back into them. The Bible says that you will heap coals upon their head and cause them to move into a place of mourning so that, because they see the state of their heart. That's the JPV, Jamie Patton version, but it's in there in, in Romans chapter 12. Go look at it. But because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold because we don't have any regard for these laws and what Jesus has spoken to our lives. It's not, it's not a law written on a wall anymore. So it's a law in our hearts that we're not being told how to live. We desire to live that way because we know it brings closer, us closer to our Savior. That I want to love, not because I'm told that I have to love others, is because I was given a great example. And what if Jesus didn't have enough love in his heart to die for me? I don't want to ever have to suffer through the consequences of death. Where it's clear to me that operating in him, living righteous before him, will never see death. I'll let that one soak in for a little while. Jesus desires for his bride to be united in this love. Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 verse 12 says this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 17 says this, These things I command you, that you love one another. Turn one page over, maybe two, depending on your Bible, to John chapter 17. It says this in verse 11, Now I am no longer with you in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them through your name, those who you have given me, that they be, may be one, just as we are. Verse 20 says this, I do not pray for these alone. I do not pray for these alone. Hang on, where are we? Verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Verse 21 says that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. We are a great example of his love here in this earth. We are a great example of his passion for this earth and his desires that we be united under this covering of love. That not only are we united in him, but that we are united together. And if we look in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47, it says that they were together continually under the apostles' teaching, that they stayed in one place. It was church, listen, it's not, it doesn't have to be that way today. We don't have to live in this place because that's just weird. 
But we could be united in heart. We could be united in focus. We could be united in our desire to see his name made famous in this earth. There's a unity that comes to a body in these days that it's united not by works and not by duty, but by love. It's united by love. That in Acts chapter 2, we witness the church's growth. And a lot of that, the majority of that had to be uh, because of their unity, because of their focus, because of what they desired from one another. They, they didn't prefer themselves, but they preferred one another. The Bible says that they would take their possessions and sell them so that there would be enough money for everybody who was in the body. But today, what's mine is mine and what's yours is yours, and we separate all of this. They were united. I mean, it, it speaks highly of their unity and their love for one another when they go start selling things that they loved so that somebody could have what they need. He, his desire for his bride is that we would, be, uh, uh, we would be unified in his love. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, it says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. It goes back to talking about love not being an idle word. Let love be without hypocrisy. That when we say we love somebody, that we continue to love or operate in that love. That we continue to let love be our action. And that we, love is our driving force in that relationship. That love takes us from one place to next. If somebody has need, we do what we can in the Lord to fulfill that need. Whether it be prayer, whether it be monetarily, whether it just be in company, whether it be in time. It doesn't matter that our love for one another, we can't say and we can't live in a place where we say we love one another and that we're not there for one another. That's what the world does. The world throws love around to get something that it needs. Where the church throws love around because they know it's something the world needs. That our love compels us. Our love drives us out. Our love is the reason that we gather together. That our love here grows to a place where it seeps out into the streets. Our love becomes an example when somebody walks into your home or the church says, I just feel God's love. I just feel his pure Love in this place. Jesus said this in John chapter 13 and verse 35. And Evan, you can come on up. We are going to participate or partake in communion this morning. And if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome, whether this is your first, first, first time or fourth time in here, you are welcome to partake with us. Communion was an incredible part of the Last Supper and what Jesus wanted to do because he had a great example, and we're about to go into that. But this is what he said in John 13, 35. He said, by this, speaking of his love, his, the unity that he wanted to formulate in amongst the disciples, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another, people will know this and see this, and you will draw men unto me. You will, you will bring them closer. You will be my example 
then this is how they'll know. Is how you treat one another. How you speak about one another. How you either lift up or tear down one another. Church, I want, I want, to, live, I want to speak to the sanctuary. I want to speak to this house today. That if what we want to do outside this wall, these walls is just tear one another down, just expose everyone's faults, you know what the world will do? They're just like me. Why would I want to go to church? Why, not? Why wouldn't I just sleep in on Sunday morning? You know, I'm a pretty open fellow. There's really not much. I keep things, but I don't keep a lot. There's a lot of you in this house, my wife especially, that knows every one of my weaknesses. But her love for me protects them. Hear me when I say this. Because she loves me, she protects me. She just doesn't throw them out. Say, oh, this is, oh, this is what Jamie struggles with. Oh, this is, yeah, he fell short in this area. And no, her love for me protects me, it covers. See, and, and, and he uses that example for his body. Yeah. See, Jesus is coming back for his what? His bride. See, Jesus knew our weakness and he protected it. And unfortunately, as pastor, there's, some of your weaknesses, I know, but you know what? It's not for anybody else's ears. It's for me to come in and protect you. But it just doesn't stop here. It spreads out through the body. Phil might go to Joel and Mike might go to Dylan and, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm here. This is where I am. This is failing in my life. Well, we have every opportunity to say, what a loser. Wait till I tell all of my friends what you're struggling with. Or we can come in and cover. Say, you know what, Mike? I'm with you, man. I'm covering you because I love you. I'm praying and I'm, I'm just, I'm hanging in there with you. If, I, if we need to weep together, we will. See, one of the examples we see of Jesus is he knew Lazarus, he was going to raise up. The Bible still declares that he wept. Why? Because he met them in their grief. He was in a place where he was covering them. And he wept with him, or them, the sisters, and because they felt sorrowful. <clears throat> he felt sorrowful. See, by this, all will know that you're mine, that you belong to me, that you're with me, that I'm with you, by your love that you have for one another. So when we have somebody who wants to step up and say something. We say, whoa, listen, no, no. That's not what I see, man. You know what I see? I see a man of God. I see a mighty man of valor. I see one with a great purpose on his life. I see a great father and I see a great mentor. I see a great man who wants to do nothing more but sow God's love into this earth. Hilarious and fun to be around. You might see that, but listen, I want to change your 
vantage point, and I want to show you something that you might not see. See, I want to live in such a way, church, that causes the world to question their unbelief. I want, to, I want to show the world the example of God's love for them. To be the example, to be the one who exposes that. To exposes them to his love. And it starts in this house. Anyway, back to the beginning in Palm Sunday. I believe that as Jesus walked, walked, rode into town, witnessing everything that was going on, Hosanna, Hosanna. You know what that literally means? It means a save now. Save now. They were declaring over Jesus what they themselves needed. And possibly had every opportunity to receive through him. And Jesus didn't go. He didn't ride in on that donkey thinking, well, sorry about your luck. And no, you're not good enough. And no, you know, I'm not doing this for you. Jesus rode in on that donkey thinking, Father... It's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It was in his mind and in his heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And this is the beginning of it all. I shall not fear, for Lord, you are with me. That his love drove him to that place. Where in four days' time, he was going to suffer for something that he had no reason for suffering. Not because of reward, not because of placement, not because of anything else, but his love, his love. And then what does he do? He imparts it into the church. He imparts it into the church. He says, now you go and do as I've showed you. Gets down before Peter, starts washing his feet, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Savior of the world gets down on his knees and begins to wash his disciples. And we sit around. And we want to gossip. And we want to talk. And we want to run the pastor down. And we want to run each other down. That's not going to be the way in this house. All who come into this house, whether for a week, a month, a year, five years, will sit under the impartation of God's love and will be changed by it. it will be, we will 
see a mighty change and an incredible thing happen as we walk in it. I promise you. Ushers, why don't you come and help me in communion? Communion is a precious thing. And it's one that we don't take lightly in this house. Paul states that if you have aught with a brother, if you have a difference with a brother, that this is so important that you better leave what it is, where it is. Go back and make amends before you take it because you don't want to take that upon yourself. And I want to give that opportunity this morning. And you know what? We're just going to just kill the spirit of pride. We're going to kill the spirit of pride in this house. Because I've never seen anybody go anywhere worth going with pride in their lives. It's, it's, it's humbling when God brings you to a place where he shows you everything that he can expose you for, yet says, oh, I love you so much that I'll never do that. So I want to give you the opportunity right now where you are. Let's, you know what, let's stand, make it easier on some people. That if there's somebody in this house that you have issue with, you go, make amends. It's not a judgmental thing. It's just a, let's, let's make sure that we're ready to do this. You might not understand it right now, but you will. All right. I don't hear the shuffling of any feet. Well, Lord, we step into this time thanking you for your great example. Lord, we thank you for what you've done. Lord, we're, we're just... Lord, we're trying to take this all in. We're trying to gain an understanding of what you were desiring to sow. Lord, and I pray over every heart in this house that we might see your great example. That we might love your great example. That we might desire to walk in your great example. Lord, allow our love for others to grow in such a way that it causes our differences to fall by the wayside. Lord, we're understanding. We're understanding that Your love in our lives will become a great example for this world to see. That how we treat one another will become a great example for the world to see. So forgive us for the things that we've said. And Lord, forgive us for the things that we've done that have been contrary 
that have been opposed to your word. And let us see one another as you see us. Full of purpose, full of passion and desire. Lord, and as we partake in this communion together, help it in binding us to one another. Help it to bind us to one another in love and in purpose. Lord, you be glorified through this. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. On behalf of our entire Sanctuary Church family, I'd like to thank you for listening and invite you to join us for a Sunday morning service at 10.30 a.m. at 1251 here on Street.